Book Two, Chapter Twenty Two of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobera. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Two, Chapter Twenty Two. How Oriana was greatly afflicted for the departure of Amadis, and moreover to find herself great with child, and how twelve knights came from the firm island to defend Marasima and the other damsels, who were in danger of death with them, though there was no just cause why they should be put to death. Now Oriana felt herself great with child, and she asked counsel of Mabilia and the damsel of Denmark in that danger. They, albeit they were sore dismayed, dissembled that, and Mabilia bade her take heart, for all should be remedied. I always expected, said she, that to such a saint such an offering would be brought. Oriana could not forbear a smile. I will feign myself worse, she said, and withdraw as much as I can from all company, and if the damsel of Denmark will hazard her honour for me, my honour and life may both be saved. Lady, quoth the damsel, I am at your command, even were it to my death. Good friend, quoth Oriana, this I hoped, and if I live, you shall recover your honour, and with great praise. Then the damsel knelt and kissed her hands, and Oriana proceeded. Continue to visit Adalasta the abbess of my nunnery, as you have hitherto done, and when it is time, tell her that you are pregnant, and beseech her to help you, so that you may lay the child at the church door, and that she will order it to be taken in and brought up for charity's sake. Thus will my secret be safe, nor will you be shamed, for none but this honourable lady will know what you shall tell her, and she loves you much. Thus they determined that it should be. When Lisuarte knew how Gramadaza persisted in her warfare, by advice of Candando and Brocadan, he sent for Madasima and her damsels, and told them that they must all be put to death for an example. When she heard this so rigorous doom, the fair and fresh colour of her cheeks suddenly changed to a pale and deadly hue, and falling at the king's feet she said, Sir, the fear of death doth make my heart weaker than it naturally is, weak damsel as I am, so that I have neither thought nor words to answer you. But if in this court there be any knight willing to uphold the right, let him speak for me, as a knight is bound to do, for I did not enter your prison willingly, but in obedience to my mother. If there be none such here, do you, O king, whom hitherto never distressed dame or damsel hath implored in vain, do you deal justly by me, and let not anger have the mastery over you? Candando, who was present, was greatly desirous that Marasima should be slain, knowing that then Amadis could never be reconciled with the king, and he said, Sir, do not hear her, these damsels were given you as hostages to die if the conditions were not performed, and therefore justice ought to be executed without delay. But Don Gromedan, who was a good knight, and well versed in all the laws of knighthood, as one who had not only practised, but read much, replied, That shall not the king do, if it please God, nor ever shall such cruelty and wrong be by him committed. This damsel came hither in obedience to her mother, and as that obedience will in secret be by God rewarded, so should it be in public by the king as his servant, and one who obeys his will. Moreover, I have learned that within three days here will arrive certain knights from the firm island to take up their quarrel, and if you, Candando, 
or your sons are willing to maintain the justice of your advice, you will there find those who will answer you. Candando answered, Don Grumedan, though you wish me ill, I have never deserved it at your hands. If you had offended my sons, you know they are such knights that they can maintain what I have said. We shall soon see that, quoth old Grumedan. As for you, I only wish you well or ill, as it shall be found that you have counselled the king. Albeit that Lisuarte had acted much amiss towards Amadis, and had it in his heart to do him all displeasure, yet could not that new passion subdue his old virtue, so that he was glad at what Grumedan said, and asked who the knights were that were coming to defend the damsels, and when Grumedan had told their names, he observed that they were enough good and prudent knights. But then was Gandandal sore dismayed, and he repented him of what he had said concerning his sons, knowing that they were nothing equal in arms to Florestan and Agraes, and Don Brian of Monjaste, and Gavarte of the Perilous Vale. So, when Madasima was remanded to prison, he went to his brother-in-law Brocadan in trouble of heart, receiving now the guerdon which the merits of his misdeed deserved. Here came to pass what the gospel saith, that no hidden thing but shall be made known. For Gandandal, retiring with Brocadan to a private chamber to consult with him how they might prevail upon the king to execute Madasima and her damsels before the knights of the firm island arrived, Brocadan began to reproach him for the wrong he had done to Amadis, greatly repenting his own wickedness now that he saw his own honour and his sons in danger. Now it happened that a niece of Brocadan was enamoured of a young knight called Sarquiles, who was nephew to Angriotto of Estravaus, and she had hidden him near this chamber, so that he heard the whole secret of this treachery. And when it was night he went out and armed himself, and mounting his horse he rode on the morrow into the town, as if he came from another place, and he went before the king and said to him, Sir, I am your natural subject, and was brought up in your household, and therefore would save you from all treachery, that you may not commit wrong in compliance with another's will. It is not three days since I was in a place where I heard persons counselling how to instigate you to do an evil thing against your own honour and good reason. I say to you, give no heed to Gandando and Brocadan in what they say to you, touching Madasima, for there are others in your court who more honestly advise you. You and all here shall know wherefore I say this, within twelve days, if you will delay following their will for so long. Now, sir, God be with you, for I go to my uncle, Angriotte. God be with you, replied Lisuarte, and remained musing on what he had heard. Sarquilus rode on by the shortest way he knew to the firm island, and when he arrived there his horse was so overspent with the speed he had made that he could scarcely carry him. He found Amadis and Angriotte and Don Bruneo riding on the shore to hasten the equipment of some vessels which they had ordered to pass over to Gaul, for Amadis was desirous to see his parents. Right well was Sarquiles received, and Angriotta said to him, "'Nephew, what business have you that your horse is in such plight?' "'Very great,' replied he, and he told him how his mistress, Gandaza, had hidden him in Brocadan House, and what he had there heard. "'Now, sir,' quoth Angriotta to Amadis, "'was my suspicion right?' You would not suffer me to bring the matter to an end, but now, if it please God, neither you nor aught else shall let, but that this great treason against the king and against you shall be made manifest. Good friend, replied Amadis, you may now do it with reason and certainty, and God therewith will speed you. I will depart to-morrow, said Angriotte, 
and Sarquilus upon another horse with me. Accordingly, on the following morning, they twain set out for the dwelling of King Lusuarte. Meantime, the king mused much upon that Sarquilus had told him. One day, Gandando and Brocadan came before him and said, Sir, we are grieved to see how little you regard your own welfare. That, quoth Lisuarte, may well be, but why say you this? Because these knights who are your enemies are coming to your court without any fear to defend these damsels for whom you ought to have the land given up. If you will take our advice, you ought to behead them before these champions arrive and send to forbid the knights to enter your kingdom. Thus would you make them fear you, and Amadis would not venture to offer you any wrong, for if they do not forbear for fear, for nothing else will they. The sooner this is done, the better will it be, and the more terror will it strike. The king then called to mind the words of Sarquiles, and saw how he had spoken truth. "'You tell me two things,' he replied, "'against all reason. The one that without any form of judgment I should have these damsels slain. What account could I give to the Lord, whose minister I am, if I should do this?' He has appointed me here in his stead to administer right in his name, and if I did this wrong which you counsel to strike fear into others, it would fall upon my own head at last. Those kings who follow their own will instead of what is reasonable rely on themselves and not on God, which is the worst error into which they can fall. Their best security is to choose out good counsellors and honest ones, and to remember that, however evil actions appear at first, the just judge directs, and the end thereof cannot be good. You tell me also to forbid these knights from coming to my court. A dishonourable thing would it be to prevent anyone from claiming justice before me, much more they being my enemies, for it is to my honour that I have the power and inclination to do what they request. I do not like your counsel. You have done ill to those who deserve no ill at your hands. I have sinned, and I have my punishment." And if you have been false, so I trust will you have yours at the end. And with that he went away and left them. The following day Lisuarte rode forth after mass with a great company, and seeing that the twelve knights were approaching, he rode forward to receive them, for he was a courteous man to all, and they well deserved such honour, being what they were. They made obeisance to him, and while their people pitched tents in the field, Don Galvanus spake to the king. Sir, confiding in your virtue and in your wonted goodness, we are come hither to request that you will hear Madazima and her damsels, that they may have their right. We are come to plead their cause, and if by that means we cannot succeed, let it not offend you, sir, if we support it by arms, for there is no cause wherefore they ought to die. The king answered, Go now and rest yourselves, I will do all that can justly be done. Don Brian of Mulhaste then replied, so, sir, we hoped that you would do what behoved your royal dignity and your conscience, and whenever you have failed so to act, it has been the work of evil advisers, and that, if it did not offend you, I would prove upon any one who dared gainsay. Don Brian, quoth the king, if you would listen to your father, I know that you would neither forsake me for another, nor come hither to plead against me. Sir, replied Don Brian, my pleading is for you, it is that you should do justice, and not listen to those who would serve you less faithfully than I, and stain your worth. You say, sir, that if I had listened to my father I should not forsake you. 
I have not forsaken you, sir, for I never was yours, albeit I am of your lineage. I came to your court to seek my kinsman Amadis, and when you were pleased that he should be no longer yours, then I departed with him. In all this I have not erred a single point of duty. The king then returned to the town, and they remained in their tents, where they were visited by their friends. But for Oriana, I tell you, she never left the window, looking at those who so loved her lover, and beseeching God to give them the victory in this appeal. That night did Gandando and Borcadan pass in great perplexity, wishing that they could recall what was past, but now perforce must they go on. On the morrow the twelve knights heard mass with the king, and that done accompanied him to his palace. He then called for Gandando and Borcadan, and said to them, You must now support the advice which you have always given me in the affair of Madasima, and make these good men understand why she ought not to be heard. And he bade them stand where all might hear them. Imosil of Burgundy and Laradin of Fajarque then came forward and said, We, sir, and these knights beseech you of your goodness that Madasima and her damsels may be heard, for so we conceive it is right. Then answered Gandandal, Many talk about the right, and few know what it is. You say that of right these damsels ought to be heard, which of right they ought not, for without any such condition they bound themselves to death, and entered the prison of the king thereupon, that if Ardan Canilio were slain or vanquished, and the whole island of Mongaza were not then freely surrendered, they and the knights with them should suffer death. The knights delivered up the castles in their keeping, which Gramadaza will not do. Therefore there neither is nor can be reason for which they should be excused from death. Imosil replied, Certes, Gandandal, you might have been excused from uttering such reasons before so good a king and such knights as are here. It is manifest to all who have any knowledge that man or woman are to be heard of right in their own defence, in all cases except in treason and conspiracy. This is the custom in all lands wherein justice is observed, and this is what we require. Gandano replied that nothing more was to be said. The king was to decide, so the matter was at issue, and the king remained with certain knights, all the others leaving the hall. The king wished his uncle Agamonte, an honourable count and of great prudence, to deliver his opinion, but he referred it to the king, saying that none so fully understood what was right as he himself. The other counsellors did the same. Lisuarte, seeing this, then said, Since you leave the decision to me, I think Imosil of Burgundy hath spoken to the purpose, and the damsels should be heard. Certes, sir, quoth the count, and all they who were present said the same. You have determined justly, for thus it ought to be. They then called in the knights, and said what had been resolved. For this Imosil and Laradin of Fajarque kissed his hands, and said, Be pleased, therefore, sir, to let Madasima and her damsels be summoned, and we will save them by fair reason, or by arms, if need shall be. Let them come, replied the king, and see if they will commit their cause to you. Presently they came before the king, so modestly and in such fear, that no man could behold them without great pity. The twelve knights of the firm island took them by the hand, and Agraes, Florestan, Imozil, and Ladadrin said to Madasima, Lady Madasima, these knights come to save you and your damsels. From death, will you commit your cause to us? Sirs, she replied, 
if the cause of damsels so forlorn and wretched may be undertaken, we commit it to you, and trust in God and you. Since it is so, quoth Imosil, let who will come forward against you. If he be one, I will defend you by reason or by arms. If more, twelve shall be answered. The king looked at Gandandel and Brocadan, and saw that they looked down, and were dismayed, and did not answer. "'Return to your lodgings till the morrow,' said Lisuarte, "'and meanwhile those who are to answer you will take counsel.' The knights then conducted Madasima to her prison, and went to their tents. Lisuarte led Gandando and Brocadan aside, and said to them, "'You have often urged me to put those damsels to death, and said you would maintain the justice of the deed by reason, or your sons should in arms if need should be. Now then, do as you said.' for what Imosil advances seems just to me, and I will not appoint any of my court to combat against these knights. Look ye to it, else will the damsels be delivered, and I shall have been ill-advised by ye, and wrongfully. They replied that to-morrow they would be ready with their reply, and returned very sorrowfully to their homes, and they agreed to persist in their advice and maintain it by reason, but not put their sons in danger, because the cause was not just and they were not such in arms as those knights. But that same evening tidings came to the king how Gromadaza the giantess was dead, and had ordered her castles to be delivered up to save her daughter and the damsels, and that they had accordingly been yielded to Count Latine. Greatly pleased thereat was Lisuarte, and when the knights came before him on the morrow he said, Proceed no farther in this cause, for you are quit of your defence, and the damsels are free the castles for which I held them in pledge having been surrendered. Gandando and Brocadan then rejoiced, for they surely expected to be dishonoured. Then Lisuarte sent for Madasima and the damsels, and said to them, Ye are free, do what it pleases you, the castles have been given up. But he would not tell her that her mother was dead. Madasima would have kissed his hand, but the king permitted not that, for he never suffered dame or damsel to kiss his hand, save when he bestowed upon them some boon. Then, said she, since you leave me at my own disposal, I give myself to my lord Galvanus, who had been so willing to help me. Agrayes took her by the hand and said, Good lady, you do that which is right, and though you are now disherited of your own land, you shall be honoured in another, till it please God to remedy your loss. But Imosil then said to the king, Sir, if right be done to Madasima, she will not be a disinherited for children who are in the power of their parents must obey them however unwillingly but not for that should they be disherited when obedience and not free will hath made them bind themselves to what their parents commanded and because you sir are appointed here to make every one render to another his right so ought you yourself to do as an example imosil replied the king you have the damsels at liberty say no more upon this other matter I have had sufficient trouble about that land, and will defend it, now it is mine, nor can I take it from my daughter Leonoretta, to whom I have granted it. Don Galvanus then said, Sir, that right which Madasima has to the land of her fathers is now mine. I beseech you remember some services which I have done you, and do not disinherit me, for I would willingly be your vassal, and stand in your favour, and serve you as loyally as it is possible. Say no more, Don Galvanus, quoth Lisuarte that is done which cannot be undone. Since it is so, quoth he, that I find neither right nor courtesy here, I shall strive to win it how I can. Do your utmost, replied the king, 
It was in the power of those who were stronger than you, and easier will it be to defend it from you than it was to win it from them. You won it, answered Galvanus, by means of one who was badly girdened. He will help to recover it. If he helps you, cried Lisuarte, many others will serve me who would not serve me before for his sake, when I had him in my household and protected him from them. Agrius then grew angry and exclaimed, Certes, all here, and others beside, can tell whether Amadis was protected by you, or you by him, though you are a king, and he was always as an errant knight. Don Florestan, seeing how Agrias was moved, laid hand upon his shoulder and drew him back, and then said himself, It seems, sir, you prize the services of these you speak of above those of Amadis. Whether they be so indeed, we shall soon see. Don Brian of Monchaste then stepped forward. However little you esteem the services of Amadis and his friends, they must be of great worth indeed, who can reasonably make them to be forgotten. It is plain, Don Brian, replied the king, that you are one of those friends. Sure, sir, I am. He is my kinsman, and I shall do what he pleases. We have enough, quoth Lisuarte, to dispense with you. All you have, replied Don Brian, will be wanted to resist what Amadis can do. The knights on both sides drew nigh to answer, but Lisuarte stretched out a wand which he held, and commanded them to say no more, and they returned to their places. Just then Angriotto of Estravaus and his nephew Circulus entered, completely armed, and approached to kiss the king's hand. The twelve knights marvelled at their coming, being ignorant of the cause thereof, but Gandando and Brocadan were put in fear, and they looked at each other, for they knew what Angriotta had said of them before, and albeit they held him for the best knight in the king's dominions, yet they took courage to answer what he might say, and they called their sons, and bade them say nothing more than they should tell them. Angriotta stood up before the king, and said, Sir, let Gandandel and Brocadan come hither, and I will say that to them, which shall make you and all present know them better than you have hitherto done. The king accordingly called on them to come forward, and all the knights drew nigh to hear. Then said Angriotte, Know, sir, that Gandandel and Brocadan are disloyal and false toward you. They counselled you wickedly and lyingly, neither regarding God, nor you, nor Amadis, who had so honoured them, and had never done them wrong. They, villains as they are, told you that Amadis designed to seize your kingdom, a thing which never was in his thoughts, for what he desireth hath ever been your service. And thus have they made you lose the best knight that ever king had to serve him, and many other good knights with him, for no fault of their own. Therefore I say that these wicked and false men in whom you trusted have committed a great treason against you, which if they deny I will do battle with them both. But if their age excuses them, let their sons come forward, and by God's help I will make them confess the disloyalty of their fathers before you, that you shall understand it. Sir, replied Gandandel, you see how Angriotta comes to dishonour your court, and this is because you permit those to enter your land who do not seek your service. If you had prevented that at first, this would not have happened. And now, sir, do not marvel if Amadis should come hither to-morrow and defy you yourself. If Angriotta had met me in those days when I did good service in arms for this kingdom, and for your brother King Falangris, he would not then have dared to say what now he says. But now he sees me old and weak, and dares insult me as one already overcome. This shame, sir, falls more upon you than me. 
"'No, sir knave,' quoth Angriote, "'I am not come hither to dishonour the court, but for its honour to destroy treason, and root out the tares which you have scattered among the good seed.' Then said Sarquiles, "'Sir, you know the words which I spake to you upon this matter. With my own ears I heard the villainy which these old traitors were devising. They are old, but their sons are young and strong. Let them answer for them. They are three, and we are two. Then will God discover the truth, and it will be seen if they are such as to make amends for the loss of Amadis and his lineage, as their fathers have boasted.' When the two sons of Gandandel heard this, and saw that the whole court was smiling to see their fathers so pressed, they thrust angrily through the throng, and came before the king, and said, "'Sir, Angriota lies in all that he hath said, and we will combat with him. Here are our gauges,' and they threw their gloves into his lap. Angriota then held out the leopard of his armour. "'Here, sir, is mine. Let them go and arm themselves, and do you, sir, behold the battle?' The king answered, the day is far spent, and there will not be time. Let it be after mass to-morrow. With that Adamas came up, the son of Pocadan, by a sister of Gandandel. He was great of stretcher and strong, but of so villainous a nature that none esteemed him. He said to the king, Sir, Sarquiles lies in all he hath said, and if he dare enter the field with his uncle, I will combat him. At this Sarquiles right joyfully gave his gage. The court then broke up. Angriote and Sarcules went with the twelve knights and Marasima, who had taken leave of the queen and of Oriana, and Brisena sent her a rich tent to lodge in. The king remained with Don Grumedan and Giontes his nephew. He sent for Gandando and Brocadan, and said to them, I marvel at you. You have so often told me that Amadis designed treason, and meant to seize my kingdom, and now when the proof was necessary, you shrunk from it and have suffered your sons to risk themselves, who know not what is the justice of their cause. You have sinned against God and me. Great evil have you done me in making me lose such a man and such knights, but you will not escape without your punishment, for that just judge will give to every one his due. Sir, said Gandandel, my sons came forward hastily, thinking that the proof was delayed. Of a truth, quoth Grumedan, they thought right, for there neither is nor can be proof that Amadis in this or in aught else hath done wrong toward the king, and if you suspect it, it is against all reason. Even the devils in hell cannot think so. If you had a thousand heads, and the king were to cut them all off, he would not be enough revenged for the wrong you have done him, and now you will be left for more mischief, which God forbid, and your wretched sons must suffer for your fault." Don Grumedan, said they, whatever you believe and wish, we trust that our sons will save their honour and our own. God never save me, replied he, if I wish more than that you be rewarded as your counsel deserves. The king then bade them cease, and he went to table, and they departed to their homes. That night the arms and horses of the champions were made ready. Angriotte and Sarquiles passed the remainder of the night from midnight in a chapel of St. Mary, which was near their tents. At daybreak the twelve knights armed themselves, for they doubted the king, seeing how wroth he was against them, and with Madasima and her damsels, each upon her palfrey, they rode through the town to the field of battle, Angriote and Sarquiles going before them. The king and his knights were already assembled, and three judges were appointed, King Arban of North Wales, and Chiontes, the king's nephew, and Quinorante, the good jouster. They placed Angriote and Sarquiles at one end of the lists. 
Presently the two brothers Tarin and Korian came with their cousin Adamas, well armed and mounted, and disposed to do their part well, if the wickedness of their fathers had not been against them. They being opposed each to the other, Giontes blew his trumpet, and they ran the career, Corian and Tarin at Angriote, and Adamas against Sarquiles. Tarin broke his lance upon Angriote, who encountered Corian, and bore him from his saddle, then turned and saw Tarin sword in hand. Tarin struck at him, but the blow fell upon the horse's head and wounded him, and cut away the headstall, so that the reins fell on his neck, and the horse being thus at liberty, Angriote was carried against his enemy, and they dashed against each other, and Tarin fell. Then Angriote leapt lightly from his horse, as one accustomed to such perils, and took a shield, and laid hand upon that sword with which he had heretofore dealt so many and mighty blows. He saw his nephew maintaining a brave sword-combat on horseback, and then made at the two brethren who stood by each other, and laid on him a heavy load like brave and strong knights. But Angriote well defended himself, holding out his shield against one, and laying on the other with the sword, so that he made them give back, for never stroke came from him that did not shear away the armour, for, as I have told you, this knight was the best foiner with the sword of any in the king's dominions. So that their shields were soon chipped away, and their hardness broken, that the blood started through. Nor was he so whole, but that the blood ran from many wounds. When Sarquiles saw how his uncle sped, and that he was still coping in equal battle with Adamas, he spurred his horse and grappled with his enemy, and there they struggled each to overthrow the other. Angriote, seeing them, drew nigh to succour Sarquiles if he should fall undermost, and the two brethren followed him to help their cousin. At length the two knights fell from their horses, still grappling. Then might you have seen a great conflict, Angriote pressing to help his nephew and the brethren to assist Adamas. But in that hour Angriote did such wonders in arms, and laid on such terrible and heavy blows, that the brethren, albeit they did their utmost, could not save Adamas from the hands of Sarquiles. When Gandandel and Brocadan saw this, who till now had hoped that the valour of their sons might have defended their wickedness, they withdrew from the window in great sorrow and pain of heart, and the king withdrew also, for all the good fortune which befell the friends of Amadis displeased him, and he would not witness the victory of Angriote. But all else who were present rejoiced to see that Gandandel and Brocadan would suffer some part of the punishment on earth which they deserved. The four knights, meantime, continued their fierce conflict, but it did not long endure, for now Tarin and Corian gave ground and fled, seeking some place of safety, but finding none, they turned, and struck again at their pursuers, and then again fled, till they were smitten down and slain, to the great joy of Madasima and her damsels, and the knights of the firm island, but above all of Oriana, who had never ceased praying to God to grant her friends that victory. Angriote then asked the judges if there was aught more to be done. They replied he had done enough for his honour, and led the two champions from the lists. Their comrades then received and took them with Parasima to their tents, where they were healed of their wounds. End of Book 2, Chapter 22